Welcome everybody to the R&R CatCast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State Athletics. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome back, Bobcat fans. Thanks for joining us amidst these tough times. Thorny, how are you? Oh man, it is it is a special thing over here working from home. My wife is working from home. We've turned the table into like an office space. It's it's a it's a trying time. I'll tell you that a little quarantine we got going over here. How's uh, your quarantine going? Mine's going pretty good. Uh, I have to say, my wife has been working home as well. I'm the main teacher in the house, so I got my son Miles all set up with his kindergarten duties. And then Macklin is just kind of bouncing around the house and, you know, doing puzzles and playing with Legos. And so it's been pretty good. Not too challenging in the Foley household. Who's playing with more Legos, Mac or you? Me. Well, Miles and I have, uh, we have a daily Lego challenge. And I tell you what, the Lego game in the Foley household is strong right now. <laughs> it's probably my favorite part of this whole quarantine. Holy cow. Yeah, sounds like you got it pretty rough over there. I'm putting in like nine hour <laughs> days trying to keep our business afloat over here. And my wife's doing the same thing. And our house is just being torn apart by the kids at all at the same time. And you're over there playing Legos. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can't complain. It's been it's been fun. But, uh, you know, we do we squeeze some math and we squeeze some language arts in there as well. So it's not all Legos, but there's a lot of Legos for sure. At this point, uh, our educational is like, all right, I'm going to not play the TV full of complete crap. I'm going to put on like Daniel Tiger or something semi-decent. That's <laughs> <laughs> all we can do. That's nice, all we man. can do. All right, guys. Well, thanks for like joining us during this time. Thorny and I thought we'd put out an episode to just kind of give some relief during this time and just some, you know, some Bobcat sports talk. And so for tonight, uh, we'll run a... A little bit different episode than what what we normally do, but we're going to lead off again with what we're drinking tonight. We're going to go over a little bit of news. We're going to cover the men's and women's basketball season. And then the meat of the program will be your fan submitted questions that we'll end with. Sounds good. Yeah, a little bit different format. I'm excited to do it. There's not a whole lot to talk about right now. So like you said, something to kind of just break up the monotony from going cabin crazy. Let's do it. All right, Thorny, what's on tap tonight? Maybe for the first time, I can't remember. I know I have had episodes where I haven't drank beer, but that's because I drank like a a smoothie one time, but I'm actually drinking a cocktail. I don't know if I've done that. Have I done that? Can you recall if I've drank a cocktail on this show? You have. It was our tester episode. I don't think Test episode. (laughs) That's right. Where I was like clanking around. I had like ice in it. I was like. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Do not go listen to that episode. I left it up there. Funny side story. I left that episode in our our uh, feed just because it's a good reminder how far we've come, but it's not good. Don't go listen to it. <laughs> but anyway, I am drinking an old-fashioned, old-fashioned. I have rye whiskey. I used bitters, sugar cube, and all I did was put a little bit of a an orange zest in there and a big fat ice cube, like one of those big, huge square ones. Pretty simple. 
I'm not a fan of the modern old fashions. This is as old fashioned as an old fashioned gets, and it is delicious. Well, you're not clanking around. That's that's an improvement from last time. That's one of the reasons I chose the big, huge ice cube because it doesn't clank as much. <laughs> nice. <man. laughs> well, my beer is like well, a little backstory for my beer. So, like day three into the quarantine, I realized I needed a haircut pretty badly, and then. Of course, uh, Inslee shuts down all the barbers <laughs> in Washington. And so I call up my buddy, my buddy, Mike Anderson. And I say, hey, Mike, do you got some clippers? And he's like, yeah, I got clippers. And I was like, okay, can I borrow them? He says, sure, you know. So uh, I go meet him. He was getting his tires changed at a tyrama. And so he brings me his clippers. And uh, Mike's a home brewer. And he had brought me a six-pack of some of the beer he brought brewed over the winter. So I'm drinking one of his beers tonight. It has no name. It's just a dark Imperial IPA. I know nothing about it besides that tastes kind of chocolatey. It's pretty, pretty delicious. You're drinking a home brew. I'm drinking an old fashioned. What is going on here? Quarantine fever. (laughs) Thorning, I actually have three drinks in front of me. I'm not going to lie. So (laughs) I got I got Mike's Imperial IPA sitting to my left. To my right, I got some cold gypsy tea <laughs> that I that I steeped just five minutes ago because my throat's hurting. And then in a golden koozie, I got a Miller Lite waiting for the back half of the show. <laughs> got to finish it off strong with Miller Lite. Tell you what, <laughs> got all bases covered. <laughs> I'm really hoping that my uh, old-fashioned lasts me the whole show. I've already had a beer before this. Um, it is a decent-sized old-fashioned. I'll tell you, I'll probably put a little bit more uh, whiskey in it than I would normally, but I knew I had to last my uh, whole episode. So here we are. There you go, man. Hey, Thorny, just uh, before we get into any kind of news, have you been taking advantage of any of this time to like go back and watch some of the football games that we um, that are posted right now like the the cat Grizz game or maybe the austin p game that uh is posted on the bobcat nation so i feel like we're definitely living two very separate quarantine lives here <laughs> i'm working like more than i normally am because it's a lot of, i'm le- much less efficient at home than i am in the office so i have less free time than i would normally during the day so absolutely no no i have not uh done any of that i'm I know you have. (laughs) (laughs) I have. I feel like I'm caught up on Montana State Athletics. It's it's been fun. It's been fun going back and watching uh, those football games again. If you you have the opportunity and you need just a little levity in your day, I would encourage you guys to go on to the Bobcat Nation. In there, there's a link um, to watch the Cat Grizz over again and the Austin P game. So check those out. I did put out uh, kind of a boring day bobcat fan to-do list on twitter i put our our cat grizz preview episode linked to that told you where we started talking the game then i linked to that exact thing you're talking about the um, youtube full game and then i linked to our post game cat grizz recap so if you're real bored there you go see how wrong we were before the game watch the game and see how right we thought we were after the game (laughs) (laughs) Nice man. All right. Well, let's let's get into this. Uh, we have a couple bits of news. One, um, well, passing of DeAndre Green. I'll let you talk about that, Ryan. 
Yeah, I just kind of wanted to mention it. It happened. Uh, the news article I'm looking at here was from March 8th. But DeAndre Green, former wide receiver for the Bobcats from 2007 to 2008, um, appears to have been shot. Well, he was shot and killed. I'm not sure exactly the nature of the shooting or anything like that. I know he was like a high school or a Contra Costa College assistant football coach um, down in Oakland. Um, not much about the details. I just wanted to just say, you know, condolences to his family and his friends. Like that's just, you know, he's a Bobcat. Like we all, like we've say once a Bobcat, always a Bobcat. And I certainly remember him from his playing days. And I just wanted to mention that just to kind of give a little tribute here to DeAndre Green for his playing days and uh, the unfortunate tragedy that befell him a few weeks ago. Yeah, it's horrible news. Yeah, not a fun way to start the podcast, but uh, certainly worth talking about, I felt. Okay, well, thanks for um, getting us caught up on that and uh, thoughts and prayers for his family right there and those associated with DeAndre Green. Um. On to the next piece of news. Uh, not surprising with COVID-19, all spring sports are canceled. Most notably for us Bobcat fans, uh, spring football. And I don't know, Thorny, if you, what do you, th- what's, what's your quick take on spring football real quick? My first, very first take is Jeff Choate's probably pretty happy man right now. <laughs> I'm sure he's not in the, in like the terms of why, but. That guy does not like spring football. I don't think his heart's broken that he's not out there doing spring football right now. <laughs> no. yeah. My very I, first thought, well, that was my first thought. I can't complain too much. I mean, I, I don't follow track and field all that much. And I do follow spring football. I was looking forward to seeing, you know, Justin, UD and his offense and maybe a little bit of the uh, passing attack that we will see in the fall although i don't think we're going to see much but you know we would have kind of a battle there at qb as well with rovig and mckay and bombing and so you know those are the only things i'm really going to miss but am i going to really miss it that much no not really no i mean i certainly feel bad for all the athletes involved especially those who that was their actual season spring season but uh you know from a from a fan standpoint like it's you know, spring ball is fun. Football is fun to like keep track of, but it's not any make or break type thing. Like you said, there's some interesting battles, but you know, we'll get, we'll get to those in the fall. If there is a fall, unfortunately I'm reading more and more about potential of the whole college season being canceled football, but we're not going to go into that because that's way too depressing to think about. (laughs) I haven't seen that. Yeah. Craig Haley tweeted out uh, an article talk from various like uh i don't know if it was like a cbs article but then it's 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 a potential it's a potential that the entire uh football season be canceled even even if it's being so far away yeah i could see that i could too and that's why we're not talking about it next topic (laughs) this has been just a debbie downer of a podcast so far coming right out of the gate just on fire here Jeez. (laughs) okay well Take a sip um, of tea. Th- yeah, I just did. It thinks a lot. Uh, <laughs> let's just move right into. Um, let's just talk about the bo- the men's basketball season, uh, and the women's basketball season. Let's recap. Uh, we just recap those, just in our best way. You and I are not basketball savants. Definitely not even. I mean, basketball is probably my maybe third favorite sport. 
But uh, we do have a little bit of news on the men's and women's seasons. First of all, is your second favorite sport cycling? No, uh, my very first favorite sport is baseball. And then it would be football. Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, we're alike in so many ways, but that's where we are. Opposite ends, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, where do you want to start here? Do you want to talk? Let's talk some men's basketball. Um, I'll just kind of give a recap of the season real quick. The Bobcats, I want to say, finished with the uh, winning record for the first time in quite a while. You could say because we didn't have a chance to lose a conference game. I'm not going to get into that, but we finished 16 and 15, 10 and 10 in conference. Uh, good enough for a bye in the Big Sky tournament that did not uh, get to finish. I don't know what else to say really about it. I want to say just, I want to give a, just a shout out to Harold Frey for the amazing career that he had. He, what did he, let's see, I got it right here. He finished third among all time. In points scored with 1,890, second in assists with 514, second in free throws made with 456, and th- and three-pointers made, 270, which was good for 12th on the all-time Big Sky Conference list in scoring and also seventh in assists. I want to give a huge shout-out to Harold Frey. He's been one of my favorite players to watch probably of all time on the men's program. He reminds me so much of... Uh, kind of like Steve Nash, and I'm a, I'm a big Phoenix Suns fan when it comes to the NBA. Nothing to cheer about for a long time, but I'm not going to get into that. Steve Nash, it just reminds me of the kind of the game he had where they're creative. They had to rely more on their craftiness and their intelligence more than their physical attributes because uh, Steve Nash, much like Harold Frey, kind of needed a pick to kind of get free sometimes because he didn't have really the speed to do it necessarily, but both could light up the scoreboard when they had to, three-pointers. I just want to give it a just a tra- shout out to Harold Frey, one of my all-time favorite Bobcats in any sport. Yeah, thinking about Bobcat basketball without Harold Frey is kind of scary. <laughs> it is, yeah. Um, I don't know if we really want to talk too much about previewing next year or anything, but it's going to be definitely a big hole to fill um, without Harold Frey running the show. He was. Uh, he finally got elected into the first team All Big Sky Conference. Uh, another Bobcat. Jubril Balo was the newcomer of the year. And I think like a third team honorable mention. The Bobcats had one of three winning seasons since 2003. (laughs) So, I mean, we got the first bye in our, uh, since 2005 in the tournament. Danny Sprinkle, you know, had, had a pretty good first year. I mean, uh, I was reading an article. I think he was the as for as for a first year head coach had a winning team, like you said, we weren't able to play any tourney games, so that might have been skewed since like nineteen seventy nine another gentleman in there that won seventeen games. But anyways, you know Yeah, I believe that was uh Stu Starner. I have it written down somewhere. I don't think I see it though. Anyways, uh you know the average attendance was up three thousand four hundred and sixty three average games or average fans per game. Uh, that's pretty much the highest in over a decade from what I'm seeing. So there's some positive momentum behind the men's basketball team right now. But then again, I mean, take it with a grain of salt. Again, we're basically right at 500. But if you look at what Danny Sprinkle did with kind of a limited amount of talent on the team, I think we probably exceeded expectations. 
I want to kind of play devil's advocate here. I've heard a lot of people say Sprinkle did great with the talent on the team and all that. But doesn't it fall on the head coach to get talent on the team? What are your thoughts on that? I know, kind of heavy question. I surprised you. I well, didn't tell you about that yeah. one, but uh, I'm, I'm just curious because <laughs> yeah. everyone's like, oh, he does, he does a good coaching job with limited talent, but is that not his job to get a talented roster? Well, I think, he had, I think it is. But there's also a lot to be said about players wanting to come to play at Montana State. When you look at our Mont- when you look at the basketball program, there's a lot left to be desired. And so I think that has a lot, lot to do in the players we are able to get right now. Now, now Sprinkle's going to have a reputation now as a head coach in word of mouth from the players will be pretty powerful given that they like playing for him. Will he be able to attract a different talent that's to be seen? No, that's just kind of a, just a devil's advocate. Like I said, I think he did great. I think he's done a pretty good job of bringing talent in. He was a finalist for the, what was it, Joe B. Hall Award, which is the award given to like the best first year head coach in the country. I like, I did some research and it's been a while since I did it. I, I don't have it in front of me, but like I said, he's like, has the best, probably arguably the best first season any coach has had since like Stu Starner in the, I forget it was the 60s or 70s, but. A lot better than Brad Hewis, a lot better than McDermott, a lot better than Brian Fish. Like, he had a pretty good season. I like the way the team came together at the end through some adversity at a hard half of the last week, or no, like, not last week, like last five or six games of the schedule. We won some games that were a little bit surprising. So I'm excited for the future of uh, Bobcat basketball. And I think it was a really fun year to watch this just kind of have those ups and downs of a team with the first year head coach. But when we were were up, we were really up. It was fun to watch. What would you grade Danny Sprinkle this year? It's so hard. Like it is so hard to gauge because you grade it on kind of a curve of your expectations of the program. And it's just been stuck in like finishing 500 for 20 years. And he did exactly what everyone else did. So in, in that regard, I mean, I, I honestly, I honestly give him like a, probably a B plus. Like it was a, it was a good year. It's, you know, I don't know what we could have done better necessarily, but maybe some roster management, some game management of players, but or some player development, but in, real, in reality, it was, it was a good year for a first time head coach of ever. I thought he did a really good job. And I'm really excited to see what he can do next year. But yeah, I'll probably give him a B plus for his first year. That's exactly what I wrote down on my show notes. <laughs> B plus? Yeah. <laughs> you and I hit nice. the same mark on that. Right on, man. We don't agree often. Sometimes we make for very boring content <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when we just like, I agree. What else do I need to say? <laughs> All right, man. Well, um, let's move on to the women's program real quick, and uh, and then we'll get into our f- viewer and fan submitted questions. Well, hold on here. Let we have a sidebar here. I think we do have a question on Twitter pertaining to Danny Sprinkle. Do we not? Well, I did kind of throw that one in there. Our our buddy Brian Marceau from uh, Clubs in the Tub. The Idaho podcast. at the club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. I think Sorry, you went Brian. dyslexic on that one. <laughs> he, 
He did ask us, uh, his question was, grade year one of Danny Sprinkle with the loss of Harold Frey, what would success be next year? So we, I guess we haven't um, talked about that second part of the question. What, what does it look like to be successful next year? Um, for me, we got to get past this 500, uh, this this line of 500. I, I want to see us about, you know, three, three, four games above that 500 mark. And another thing I think we need to be at, in order to be successful next year, we need to beat the Grizzlies at least one of the time that we play them. Then Eastern Washington. If you look at uh, Danny Sprinkle's time this year, he beat the teams he we were better at. Or excuse me, I'm going to rephrase that. Montana State was better. What would what, what did we finish like fifth in the in the polling or something like that? I think it was like six, possibly. Yeah. Anyways, it was six. Below- it was six. Teams below us, we we beat them. And then teams above us, we lost to them. It was kind of like the Rob Ash formula of football right there. Anyways, uh, we need to uh, we need to have some of those wins against the top teams in, in the conference in order for us, for me to feel that uh, our basketball team is being successful, most notably the Grizzlies and Eastern Washington. You know, Eastern, um, not so concerned about that. Northern Colorado is always up at the top too, but it's like we just have to end this ridiculous streak against the Grizz. Like I don't know if that that doesn't necessarily pertain to success, but it ha- it has to be part of the equation for what you want to see next year. But for success, I just think we need to finish, you know, top five, like top five, and feel good about where we are and win a tournament game. Like I. Those are kind of low expectations. I I understand that, but uh, for the way Bobcat basketball has been, like Sprinkle already kind of established himself. Like first year with the relatively limited roster, that's where he was already. Like it's a good start, and it has to be better next year. It has to improve for sure, and so he has to be at least top five. And I think he has to win a, a conference game, a tournament game. That's where I'm kind of kind of seeing a successful season, ending the streak against the Grizz. Hopefully is included in there, but if we accomplish that without beating the Grizz, it's still successful in my book. Yep, I was excited for the tournament. You know, with Harold Frey's last go around, I I was thinking we were going to have some kind of sparks in the tournament. Unfortunately, we'll never we'll never know. No, and uh, real quick, I, we're talking a lot more about this than I thought we would. But uh, you had mentioned uh, newcomer of the year Jabril Bello. He was coming on very strong at this end of the season. He was almost like a double double for there for the last few games. So I'm really excited to see what he can do next year too. So uh, we have some pieces um, even with the loss of Harold Frey, but uh, I think the Bobcats will be pretty good next year. Nice. You know, we'll definitely be good next year, no matter how many people we lose from graduation, the women's program. Tell me your thoughts about the women's program. First, I guess let's recap their season. Do you have those, uh, that information in front of you? I do. We went 25 and six. 19 and 1 in conference, mm. 12, 12 and 2 at home, 11 and 2 away. We had a winning streak of 17. Patricia Binford was player of the uh coach of the year, player of the year. <laughs> uh, uh just I mean, the women's program Thorny, I'll be straight up honest with you. I don't know much about the women's program. I know you paid more attention <laughs> to it than I did. But uh I I I should be ashamed of myself in that. It's just they were just so dominant and 
you know, they were going to the championship game in the tournament and that's when it got called off. So I don't know a couple years back, we played uh, Washington in um, the NCAA tournament. I felt like this team just had to feel that they could make some noise in the tournament. Well, there was talk about if the Bobcats were able to beat Idaho, which obviously we think they would have. They would have mm-hmm. possibly got as high as like a 12 or 13 seed, which is a winnable game. I'm not as familiar um, with the women's NCAA tournament as I am with the men's. I know the disparity is much greater in the women's side of things. They're always like the number one seeds always beat people like 100 to 40. It's like, <laughs> it's ridiculous, but um, it certainly would have been a chance to have a winnable game. But uh, you're you're talking about like not paying, not knowing as much about the women's team. It was one of the most exciting teams I've watched. One of the best teams I've watched of any Bobcat sport in the last 20 years. They were a, a very fun group to watch. They were a complete team. They played for each other. They played hard. They were exciting to watch and they were dominant. They were absolutely dominant. And I would have loved to see them continue that run. Uh, potentially beating Idaho and getting that NCAA tournament bid, but it was it was kind of a bummer to see that all end like it did. But I just think it was an extremely fun season to watch, and I just want to just say that like, I want to say how amazing that season was for the Bobcat women. We do have some individual accolades. We had Fallon help me with her last name, Thorny Fragey. Um, Big Sky Fallon player Fragey. of the yeah, Big Sky player of the year, um, averaging thirteen point seven points. The she led the Bobcats there. And then Miss White, our freshman of the year. Uh, so uh, she, I know you texted me a couple times about her. Just what are your thoughts on her? You need to watch some women's basketball just to watch Darian White. She is amazing. She is so athletic. She has such good vision of the court. She's strong. She can throw the full court pass on a dime. It's really entertaining to watch as a true freshman. Her leadership, her, her um, stepping up in big moments is unrivaled. It's really fun to watch, and she's going to be amazing for three more years. It's awesome. Nice. I will, I will do better next year. I promise on that. You should. It'll be a different year for the Bobcats. We got with a lot of seniors, including, including Fallon Frigi. Um, but I think we have a great freshman class coming in. And I think, I think Benford just has this thing rolling. Like, we are now... We're the program in the big sky. I don't see that really changing anytime soon. I know we had a special group of seniors, but hey, I think it's going to be just as bright next year, even if with a little bit of learning curve with some new players being broken in, possibly some freshmen getting some minutes. But I think the Bobcat women are going to be at the top of the league again next year. Nice. All right, Thorny, anything else on uh, Bobcat basketball you want to talk about? No, that pretty much covers it. Bummer to see it all in the way it did. I think, uh, but uh, yeah, time to move on. All right. Well, I'm excited about this. This is uh, the back half of our show. This is something we uh, wanted to put together. We asked our fans and listeners, you guys, to submit some questions for us. And so we're going to go through those questions now. We're going to start with um, probably the Bobcat Nation questions and then move into our Twitter questions and then any email questions. And then uh, um, we'll just give you our thoughts. I think it's only fitting we start with the Bobcat Nation questions because basically this is where we started, right? Like you and I <laughs> spawned out of Bobcat Nation. We are <laughs> kind of Bobcat Nation in a podcast form in some ways. Maybe that's taking too much credit, but uh, you know, 
I think that's kind of where we stand. Okay. So in our show notes, Thorny, uh, the very first thing you said, and I, I didn't see it in Bob Kennedy all that much, is, uh, but you said, should number 15 be retired for Troy Anderson? Okay, so to, to, to be clear here, there was a couple things, a couple of topics I saw in Bobcat Nation that we should answer. These aren't exactly questions necessarily. I've just seen a lot of debate on them. So the, <laughs> we have two here, and this is the first one. Should Troy Anderson's number 15 be retired? Do you want to take that first, or do you want me to take that first? That's a, that's I'll, a I'll take it one. first. We should not put the cart before the horse right there. And um, let's let's let Troy be Troy for a while before we even start talking about that. Now, I'm not going to say if I haven't heard anything about this, but, you know, I was raking the yard just the other day listening to Coulter Nuon is on his show. And there was, he had a sentence there that came out of his mouth that said, Troy Anderson might redshirt this coming year. What do you think about that? I mean, I'm getting a little sidetracked right now, but that would be, that'd be some news right there. It would, and I thought that too. Like I've heard, he's kind of had some surgery. Uh, he may not play this year or not well into the year, so he, there's the potential for a red shirt there. Oh, that, I don't, I don't know what to think about that because I would love it if he redshirted and came back to the program. I'm just worried that he'll redshirt, get healthy, and just pretty much declare for the NFL draft afterwards instead of playing for a senior year. But uh, that would be huge news. And would definitely not warrant retiring his number if that's the case. Um, what are your what are your thoughts about uh, Troy Anderson redshirting? Well, I want to talk about his number being retired too, but uh, uh, I would be in favor of Troy Anderson redshirting. I mean, I mean, whatever is best for him. I mean, he's such a workhorse. I don't have a problem with him redshirting. No. Be, I mean, we played the back half of the season without him seemingly, so. Uh, we had some good synergy without him. That doesn't really, like, it's not like, it doesn't frighten me if I think about Troy Anderson redshirting. I don't think he would declare for the draft. I just don't think that's him. I think he would want to play out his career at Montana State. But uh, going back to the genesis, the genesis of the question, should we retire number 15? I think we should. I mean, at the end of his career, I think uh, Troy Anderson should his number should be uh, retired regardless of what he does from here on out. It'd be nice to see him like, you know, if, if he continues to play linebacker, if he was, you know, Buck Buchanan winner, or I mean, I guess he's been first team all big sky for a while now, but you know, whatever he does going on from here on out, he's been such a notable Bobcat that I, I don't see why we wouldn't. I think he's in that same echelon as guys that I think of like Travis Lule and Daenerys McGee. And then now there's the Troy Anderson. So uh, those, those are people that I revere. I think, uh, I think you would agree with that. My question is Daenerys McGee, I believe the winningest quarterback in Bobcat history I don't remember that exactly, but if he can't get his number retired, should Troy Anderson's number be retired? That's it's a hard question to wrestle. It's a hard thing to compare two players. For me, Troy Anderson needs one more big accolade, one more big season, one more prove it kind of thing for that to be in the discussion. But as of right now, if his career ended today, um, I I don't think it should be retired. I think it's such a hard thing. It's such a such a special thing to have a number retired. Like you have to 
do more than I guess it's kind of unprecedented to be big sky or even all American first team on multiple different positions, which is just crazy. But um, the team so far, like this is the best year we had and we made the biggest part of our run um, without Troy Anderson, which is kind of crazy to say we beat the Grizz and made our playoff run with Troy on the sidelines. So I, I need to see one more big thing out of him. And then certainly it's in the discussion, but right now I'd have to say, I, I, I just don't see it. Thorny, I thought the Bobcats played better without Troy, which is weird to say. It is, but is that because so many guys got reps all season that we just got stronger all year and that we would have played better regardless? That's the question I wrestle <laughs> with too. It was like Troy out there. Yeah, we, we played really good without him, but maybe we would have played even better with him. It's hard to say. Like we were, we were just getting better and better as the year went on. Yeah. Hey, quick, is Lule's number retired? No. Jeez. Okay. So, yeah, I was wrestling with that in my mind. I didn't know. Uh, man, if if we're not retiring Travis Lule's number, then, you know, I mean, whew. Troy Anderson. So, yeah, uh, we'll see. Yeah. When you when think about it like that, it's kind of like, how can, you, how can you retire if there's already greats that we consider Bobcat legends like Kane Ione? And none of these guys have their numbers retired. So uh, it's, it's, it's hard to say, but he is a legend in of himself. <laughs> no doubt. So the next question, the sub question to that is who's going to be the next number 41. Now, if you don't know what about the 41, I did a little bit of rereading today. Um, Jeff Choate, uh, prior to his third year of coaching in the Cagris, he loves football traditions and, He's like, you know, we there's there's significance in the number of 41 in the state of Montana. Uh, I think Montana is the 41st state and, and all this stuff that Jeff Cho just likes to wax on about. So um, if you don't know, number 41 is now reserved for a Montanan. That is not necessarily a team captain, but just, uh, you know, embodies the the culture you know, that Jeff Cho wants at, at for the Bobcats, uh, Braden Conkle was most notably uh, number forty-one last year. Uh, right before the him, first, was... right? Well, uh, well, yeah. The okay, first the, of the for, tradition. The first of the tradition, but before him was Grant Collins and then Bobby Daly, and then you know, a list of you know just awesome players for the Bobcats. And so, the question is, who is the next number forty-one? And and it has to go to a Montana and, uh, via this you know, following the tradition that Jeff Choate is now setting, I have to think it's got to be Troy Anderson, no doubt. And then, and then, and then when Troy Anderson is not a senior, it's going to be Calhoun O'Reilly. And so I'm just calling it the next couple of years. That's, that's going to be the order right there. It has to be Troy Anderson next year. Question though, is uh Chase Benson's will be a senior. So my, my other option was Chase Benson, but he's a senior. So, Unless it goes to Chase this year, and if Troy redshirts, then uh, maybe Chase Benson will get it this year. But uh, yeah, it can't be it can't be anyone else but Troy, unless for whatever reason he doesn't want to be anything but number fifteen. But <laughs> it's got to be Troy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a foregone con- conclusion right there. <laughs> All right, I like your pick of Callahan O'Reilly though. In the next year, he seems to be the guy who could carry the banner for sure. That's yeah. a good pick. All right, man. So let's move on into the Bobcat Nation questions. All right, let's pick one right here. 
All right, you pick first. Pick. Okay, I'm going to look at uh, our boy Cletus, who's been a big fan of us, and he's uh, a long-time listener. Cletus says, "In if the 2020 season takes place, he already started prefacing it. I like that, Cletus. What probability chance do you give MSU to win the league? I'm going to defer to you on that real quick while I pull up the schedule. <laughs> this is a hard one to do, Cletus, because what you – probably you have thought about and I was thinking about this afternoon when I looked at this is I haven't looked at all the other schedules of every other team and so what happens is about in this time in the summer uh, we're going to go to the Spokane Big Sky Conference kickoff and then we're going to get all this all the teams media guides and we're going to be able to look through all the the schedules for every team and when you look at the Montana State schedule, we can really only, you know, take a look at Montana State's challenges, but we don't get to look at every other team's challenges. And sometimes, and as you know this, there's one team that has like this golden path. It seems like in July, they're like, whoa, they dodge every other big time team. And and if they can only just get through that, they, they have like some sweet path to the Big Sky title. And it's kind of like this thing that has been eluding Montana State. I think this is like next steps for Jeff Choate. It's not only like, you know, going deeper into playoffs, but uh, if Jeff Choate wants to be uh, remembered as like, you know, an all-time great in on Montana State, or excuse me, at Montana State, he needs to win a Big Sky title or multiple Big Sky titles. And so this has been eluding us for a long time. So... Do I think Montana State can win the league? I definitely do. Like I think we're we're risen to the level of like we're got to be one of the one to two top picks in the preseason polls. Um, we have the culture of just being freaking tough. We don't start out great under Jeff Chope, but we finish awesome. Um, that's just kind of a coin flip from where Rob Ash was. Where we start out amazing with Ash and then just kind of pissed down our legs in in the in, in the second half of the season. Uh we do play Weaver at Weaver. We do play Eastern at Eastern and we do play the Grizz at UVM and those are our three toughest games right there. I think we can beat Weaver because I think we have a better offense than Weaver and I think we have an on par defense with Weaver. Uh I think we can beat the Grizz just because of, you know of our track record in the last 4 years. Our kryptonite, for some reason, is Eastern Washington. It's a kryptonite of, in football and in basketball. Can't stand the Eagles. We play here in Cheney. It's a weird stadium. It's a windy stadium. It's red. <laughs> I just Eastern's just weird, man. Like I don't know. They just they just get us every single time. In, in the last like decade, it feels like, and I just. I don't know, but that would be one loss that I could see. I don't know if Eastern's going to be good. You know, a lot of Eastern fans don't think Aaron Best is as good as projected. And so um, I'm being a little long-winded on this. Do I think MSU can win the league? Absolutely. It, but I'm not certain without looking at everybody else's schedule yet. We got a per percentage on it. Probability. Oh, no, I, I can't. I mean, nobody... <laughs> you know, that's the weird thing. I mean, the whole Jeff Chode argument, like of like the big sky, right? Like nobody plays everybody. And so it's just kind of like the luck of the draw. And all of a sudden we have Weaver, Eastern, and U of M on the road. 
Like that's kind of that's kind of a kick in the balls right there, man. It is, but the bright spot, and you alluded to it, we played better the second half, second, uh, you know, two-thirds of the season, third of the season, I guess you want to say, than we do in the beginning. So we have Eastern and the Grizz. Those are two of our last three games on the road. It's going to be a tough finish to the season, but if there's anything Jeff Choate has taught us, we'll be playing our best football by, by then. I'm most I'm more concerned about uh you know, I, I actually have to agree with you. I think Eastern's gonna be the biggest challenge. Weber, uh, I mean, it's gonna be hard, right? But we're not gonna do the thing that uh, the Grizz did in the playoffs where we throw like five, six interceptions because we don't throw <laughs> the ball that much. So we're more built to kind of go toe to toe with the Weber team than the than the Grizz were. Um and the Grizz, I'm not convinced, will be as good because they lose some major key players. But Eastern, I just can't see Eastern being down again with, with uh, Eric Berrier at the helm again. He's going to present huge problems for our defense. But to answer the question, I guess, I, I'd have to agree with you. Like, I don't know the rest of the schedules. Like, that's that's how it works. Like, one team avoids all the top Big three, as we call them, Eastern, the Grizz, MSU. They avoid them all, and they can cruise all on their way. Like, I don't see UC Davis on our schedule, so maybe Davis is them again. But I say I, I just put a pretty good chance we can win the league. At least we can take care of our own business. But uh, I see probably a league loss in there, and that might not be good enough to do it. Another team we play that kind of has me concerned is Cal Poly, and it's simply from the fact that Bo Baldwin is the coach again. And so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, we play some big teams. So, yeah, I mean, we play Weaver October 17th, Eastern November 7th, and the Grizz on November 21st. And I don't know why you said the big three, Eastern, the Grizz, and Montana State, and didn't even put Weaver in there because Weaver clearly is one of the teams that has been, I mean, I, why why are you avoiding them in that little conversation right there that you just had? So, they're they're a handful. They no, mean, you're right. Then. I'm just I'm just talking like the the traditional. But you're right. Like Weber right now has to be in that conversation for top four. There's like the four powers right now. I know. So I mean, but so, Cletus, to to kind of like wrap up your question, and I just kind of want to put a cherry on top on this is like what I saw in the last like couple weeks because here's here's the deal Thorny like you said go back to the very beginning of our conversation tonight during this quarantine I've had the opportunity to go back and look at um some of our games and we were playing hands down our best football at the end of the season Montana State right now is a tough freaking team we are physically dominating we love to run it down your throat we just have this identity of just being tough and when that identity of being tough is built into your culture, it travels well, no matter where you go. And all of a sudden, our offense is going to match the toughness of our defense, is where I'm thinking, is that's kind of my projection. And so it's been like, okay, what has Jeff Choate done? You know, we've been the tougher team, and our defense has kind of been, you know, the face of that. Well, all of a sudden last year, you know, we were being able to run the ball and at will and all this stuff. Our offense is making strides. Tucker Rovig looked pretty stinking good at the end of the season. We're making strides. And so you're looking at a balanced team that has, you know, 
just kind of a culture of winning, a kind of culture of toughness. Man, you know, if we're we're in a good spot. Can MSU win a league? Yes. And if to go back to your question, I'm gonna put it at like you know better than three quarter chance for us to do that. So seventy five percent and above. I'm thinking we're probably probably there. But whew, man, we've we've been we've missed it. We need we need to get it. Well, I think it's kind of a good segue into our next question. You talked a little bit about Tucker Rovig playing well at the end of the season. Pete Burfening, our buddy on Twitter, asked us, how does the cancellation of spring ball affect the QB battle going into the fall? Similar, similarity of drop-down drop FCS quarterbacks, or FBS quarterbacks, excuse me, uh, like Johnson comes in, breaks his foot right off the bat. McKay comes in. Now he can't even participate in spring ball, but no one can. So what are your thoughts? How does the cancellation of spring ball affect the quarterback battle, which is crucial to the Bobcats moving forward? You know, I don't think spring ball is going to have much to do with it. I think summer ball is going to tell the tale of the tape right there. You know, who can make the connections with the players who has that leadership? Uh, You know, my gut says early nod goes to Rovig. And... um, I I what is McKay? Is he like? Does he have one year? Does he have two years? What what's his story? Do you know? I want to say he's a junior. Okay, you put me on the spot, um, but yeah, I think he's a junior. You know, so one of the things that really stood out to me in the last couple of times I was been watching these games is how good Rovig's been playing, and then just how some of the easy mistakes <laughs> that can that he was just showing on film were being corrected, and so. Uh, Rovig's been there, man. He's as much flack as he endured last season. He's just, he produced and he was steady and he just got better. I, I have a lot of confidence in Tucker Rovig. I don't know Matt McKay. I don't know Casey Bauman other than, than what we've seen from him. You know, and my hopes for Bauman is I just hope he, he continues to stay around. He could be that guy that, like, at the end of this, you know, he might start for a year, might start for two years, but he put in all that time. He's only a sophomore, if you look at the page right now. You know, he could earn his starting position, gosh, maybe, you know, that, that year Tucker leaves or graduates, and, and then just he's ready, you know, at that time and just has lights out year. So, I don't know, but I think summer balls can tell the tale of the tape right there. And then um, <laughs> I totally expect you and I to be talking on this in late August, like with Jeff Chope making some stupid decision where we're like, oh, here we go again. But yeah, pretty much gut- something <laughs> that we disagree with, something that we talked about in the pod all year. Do we trust Jeff Chope when it comes to matters of the quarterback? I don't know yet, but. In terms of spring ball determining things, like I know the last year it was Tucker's job to lose, and he pretty much, uh, or was it two years ago? Maybe it was the last two years, but yeah. it's been Rovig's job to lose, and he just hasn't stepped up. And I know that certainly played into the quarterback battle heading into the fall. So in terms of how uh, cancellation of spring ball affects things, um, I think it just delays that question until – Maybe, maybe like you said, summer, but I'm guessing well into fall. I'm guessing we're not going to know our starting quarterback until up until possibly the very first game of the season. And then it may not even be 
the permanent, like the final destination for the quarterback. Like it might not be the final answer. It could be, all right, I'm going to go with you for the, because our first game is what? Like Long Island University something <laughs> or other, some brand new program from way back east who is going to get crushed no matter who's playing quarterback. So um, it's just going to be delayed. And uh, I think it may cause some problems with decision-making from Jeff Choate, who seems to maybe have a little bit of trouble deciding on who he wants to man the helm there. But uh, overall, I think it's not going to really affect the trajectory of the season for the Bobcats. No, no. We'll, we'll, I guarantee we're going to talk about this at length throughout the season. Although, you know, if Jeff Choate just decides right away, and here's what he needs to do. Like, let's be straight up honest. He just needs to pick a dude and stick with him. And, you know, not play this this carousel. And I think, like, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to just say it once. If he starts playing games with Tucker Ovig, with this Matt McKay guy in the back end and going, you know, you know, if you're not performing, we're going to put this guy in. Tucker Ovig's going to just, that that hasn't worked for him you know, earlier on, just make the freaking choice, stick with the dude, let him ride and just go with it. So, okay. uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what's coming out of the summer ball because that is important. Who takes ownership? Who is the leader? I think there's a lot of, a lot of things solidified in summer that we don't, aren't privy to just because they're player run practices, but that's going to be big. Thanks, Pete, for getting, you know, for, think, hold on, Thorny. Pete just came through with, <laughs> he just gets us fired up. Nice job, Pete. <laughs> he, well, he listens to us, so he knows this will definitely light a fire in their butts. So, <laughs> All right, Pete, thanks for the question, man. Next question comes from Blue and Gold Blitz. He says, who's the starting QB, left tackle, and safeties for next year? Kind of talked about the QB. Thorny, what's your thoughts? Well, the way it's written, I'm looking at it right now, it's slash, slash. So it's Trey Anderson because he's going to be quarterback, left tackle, and safety probably next year. <laughs> like slash Cordell Stewart. Yes, slash. <laughs> but we already talked about quarterback. I know you want to talk a little bit about safeties. You actually did some research. Left tackle will be harder. I actually... Offensive line is one of the hardest spots for me to know who's starting where because guys move around. I have a hard time keeping track of like uh, necessarily who's the backup right tackle because a lot of times be, that person will be listed as backup right tackle, backup center, and backup left guard. Like it's just <laughs> it's such versatility. <laughs> I would almost guess if I had to guess the starting left tackle will be someone who is already a starting offensive lineman. And then the person like maybe Connor were Connor Wood, excuse me, will move into that person's vacated spot. So if I had to bet, I would say the starting left tackle was a starting lineman already last year between maybe, I don't know, Lewis kid or uh, any other guys in the line, but uh, that'd be my guess. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the safeties in. So, Safety uh, is now vacated by Jacque Allen and um, Jojo Henderson. I went and perused the roster today. We have Jeffrey Manning, the new Oregon State transfer, coming in. It's uh, hard have... not to see him starting. <laughs> right? I mean, so just listen to the list thereafter. So I put Luke May, 
Do you remember Luke May? He's a, he's going to be a senior this year. As in seen, I feel like I've asked about him on the board, and no one ever seems to have a good update <laughs> on him. Like it's yeah. okay. Is he does he playing? Like I don't know. Wasn't Luke May like a former Minnesota Gopher Javelin? Yeah, Javelin. Yeah, to like Javelin for the Gophers. And then he was going to come over as a quarterback. I mean, just yes, just crazy. Okay, uh, one of our freshman QBs, John Knight is now listed as a safety. And then I just a little projections uh via Ala Ryan Foley, Nolan Askelson. Um he's listed as a linebacker. I'm thinking, okay, you know, he's has his speed, he's got the body type, why not? We can move him back there. He could be maybe like that uh big safety that we saw from Conkle. I'm not sure. He's a sophomore. And then um and this is one just a shot in the dark. I was going through the wide receivers. Peyton Hanser. He's got he's big tall guy out of I can't even remember. I think he's a Montana boy, but uh He is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I want that, to that's say Billings. All, yeah, that's all I have as as far as safeties, man. So um what's your thoughts? Well, I I didn't really prepare for this, but I I seriously doubt Nolan Askelson ends up being a safety. Um I'd put more money on Troy Anderson being a safety than <laughs> Nolan Askelson. That's what about Keaton Anderson? Is he not on the roster anymore? Probably is. I didn't see him. I mean, you got to have the Jeffrey Manning kid out of Oregon being just like the Sherlock. In. I mean, right? Well, he has to be based on the returning experience. Like he's all of a sudden like the most experienced guy in the room, even if he hasn't played very much at Oregon State. No one on our roster has played very much at all. Unless like uh, maybe like Tai Okada moves to safety or something like that, but like it's a, it's a, it's definitely an area of concern for me. I thought about Ty, but I didn't think he was tall enough to do the safety bit. Uh, I really wouldn't say his. He's not a real big body, but not necessarily a deal breaker at the FCS level, but uh, certainly something you look for. Maybe Eric Zambrano. Yeah. I mean, when when you think about safety, right, you think about a kind of a guy who can like bring the wood, who's kind of a tough, tough nosed guy. Somebody has maybe a little bit bigger body type than your traditional corner. Somebody has some speed, uh, just, you know, someone who's kind of nasty, you know, and you, you want that as a safety. Well, the, it kind of depends. There's kind of two safeties, right? There's the free roaming the uh, ball hawking safety, and th- and then there's the the sure tackler run support type safety, and the rare combination of both. But you got you got got like Bryson McCabe, who we've talked about the run stuffing machine, and then there's like the Jockway Allen, who's more of the uh, ball hawk, but who could also lay the wood too. So he's definitely a hitter. But uh, you know, it's hard to find the combination of both. But uh, I don't know who we have on the roster who's going to fill either one of the spots, except for. Like you said, maybe manning the transfer. That's a good point. But again, I have not done a ton of research on this. Uh, yeah, like I said, busy during this quarantine. <laughs> so a little thought on Troy Anderson. If Troy Anderson does bump back to becoming a safety, I'd be all right with that. Be- just because Daniel Hardy, man, that guy flashed towards the end of the he season. He finally showed what we've heard about for couple years now all the athleticism yeah. of the raw talent finally starting to harness it yeah i feel a lot of people listening to us right now nodding their heads yeah you know? mm-hmm. 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 all right man 
Blue and Gold Blitz, thanks for the question. Let's move on to Bleeding Blue. Uh, we got two questions left, and they're pretty easy right here. It says, uh, <laughs> Bleeding Blue says, after weeks of quarantine, will you still like your wives? I'm going to let you answer that one first. <laughs> well, that's an easy one. Number one, I could say whatever I want to hear because my wife doesn't listen to this podcast. But yes, I will still like slash love my wife. Now, my children is a whole different question. A whole different question. My wife, yeah, that's going that's, that's going fine so far. <laughs> How about you? My wife is doing so awesome in this. It's so cool. She's so good. I, I could not do this without her. She is, um, man, she's making this way easier on me than it has to be. So, but we have kind of a pretty good working thing. She's like sequesters herself up in our room and she does her little computer meetings that she has with her work and I'm downstairs. But without her help, man, uh, no, it would be just a crap show around here. So yes, I, my wife, I w- we will still be just great. More like you. Yes. The kids. <laughs> That's the most challenging part. Yeah. When's it too late to drop them off at like the fire department? <laughs> the funny part is that I see like po- <laughs> posts all the time or like my friends will be like, when's it too early to have a glass of wine? Or when's it too early to have a beer? <laughs> you know, Quarantine is the exact same time as airport time. All right. You can drink at 730 in the morning. No one cares. It's the airport. It's quarantine. Do what you want. <laughs> Corn. I hadn't heard that one. that might be all we have thorny did you have any other questions i'm I'm not seeing any more you're missing two questions man oh man okay where are they you're missing colorado cat who's asking us how should we measure whether choate's tenure as a head coach was successful once he leaves someday for example in this is him for example the big human was the big human successful was rob ash successful what is the current measuring stick and why has it changed from coach to coach? It's a loaded question. How did you gloss over that bad boy? Ooh, I I had thought at length about that one too. Man, I totally forgot about that one. Sheesh. All right. Well, then uh, it's all yours. Okay. So how should we measure Choate's tenure as head coach? How would he, if he's successful or not? I thought about that today. Um, if Cho ended his career today, I would deem him as a successful coach. Certainly. Uh, one, he's never lost to the Grizzlies. So there's that. But two, I think he's just changed the culture at Montana State. I think him and our president, Waded Cruzado, kind of have some parallels in them. They're just, you know, kind of fiery people, the go getters and, um, you know, action makers. But there's an asterisk if he would leave today. I think for Cho to be ultimately successful, two things in my mind have to happen. He needs to win a Big Sky title. Now, if he doesn't stay around long, he needs to at least win one. But at the same time, I'm going to put this out there. Jeff Cho has the ability to win a national championship. So for him to be a truly successful coach in the eyes of Ryan Foley, he needs to do both of those. I don't think he needs to win a conference championship. The way the conference is set up is stupid and the championships are meaningless. Like, what are we, fourth this year? 
third or fourth? Like we weren't even in the top two. But Thorny, here we are, and, no, no, and no, the no. semi-finalist. No, just okay. I get, I get that point, but like at least a share of the Big Sky title. I mean, this rare meaningless. Days, meaningless. No, 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 no. Just listen to me. There's it, just a share of the Big Sky title has to happen. I mean, if Chote is going to be this predictable, okay, we're going to suck at the beginning of the year. And then we're going to have the coming to Jesus meeting at like halfway and then like go on this tear. Like, I don't get that. Like do well at the beginning of the season and then do better at the end of the season, at least get a share. Because I mean, if, if three teams conceivably can share the big sky title, Montana state should be one of those. No doubt. But there's always the possibility of the championship winning team. We didn't even play them. It's true. And you do it's have a, a stupid good point. conference. There's too many teams in this frigging conference. <laughs> All right. So what do you what do you think he is going to be for Jeff Cho to be successful? I've thought about this too, and I think I was thinking about it. Each coach has had different expectations. Kramer came in with pretty much no expectations, brought us to heights we hadn't seen in however many years. But then his departure, scandalous as it may have been, however you want to phrase it but we got sanctioned by the NCAA, lost some scholarships, all that stuff. So when Rob Ash comes in, what were the expectations for him? It's kind of hard to say. Like he just had to kind of clean the program up and kind of bring us back. And yet he brought us to heights that we hadn't seen since the eighties or, you know, wherever, like number one team in the country, all that stuff. So Rob Ash by his major took us from, we didn't know what we expectations were to okay super super successful and then he kind of dropped down at the end so then where did that leave Jeff Choate at the beginning coming off the first losing season the Bobcats have had since like what 2002 like we had 2002 to 2016 were like winning seasons or 2015 excuse me but uh so Choate comes in and all of a sudden takes us from he had kind of reset mode 2016 and now we're a semi-finalist in our fourth year it's impossible like how do you how do you possibly beat that i think he's already been measured as successful as it is just because he's taken us from the spot we were in to the spot we are now in such a short amount of time the only uh downside to that would be i guess the uh the potential for sliding is that all right we only don't even make the playoffs next year he can be successful if he like somehow left right now, if he took a better job, but there's always the possibility that if he comes back, which he obviously most likely will at this point, if we don't have the same level of success we did last year, it's easier to go down from where we are now than it is to go up. So to how major success, I say right now, he's very successful. He's one of the most successful coaches in terms of reaching a national prominence in terms of the playoffs but he's only done it once can he sustain it i don't know if he left right now very successful <laughs> he's not leaving right now though so he is not it, i think it's my yeah yes he's successful right now you and i would both agree on that but i think choke i think the thing that we're kind of skirting around is his ceiling is higher than the big humans then act. So do you mean his ceiling at in Bozeman? Yeah. I think what he's built a culture 
right now, I think Montana State is in the prime of their existence right now. You know, I was two in 1984, so I don't know how that felt. But I know what I feel right now. And Montana State is, I my expectations for Montana State are at an all-time high. And that's largely because of what Jeff Chota has done. It's hard to argue that he's already more successful than Ash and Kramer in terms of playoff prominence, playoff wins, playoff, how far he got in the playoffs, and success against the Grizz, which is probably the number two measuring stick for a Bobcat coach. So it's hard to argue he's already the most successful coach of the millennium. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, man. So that was a that was a good one. Nice job, Colorado cat. We're missing Helena cat, 95. The very first question in response to our uh, call for questions, if you had to be quarantined with one current Bobcat player and one current Bobcat coach, (laughs) who would they be? (laughs) It's a good question. I totally wrote this down. (laughs) Let me see what I got. I I thought deeply about this question. Thank you, Helena cat. (laughs) (laughs) and i'm gonna kind of go back to a little bit about like you know some 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 feelings about my checkbook right here so and here's where i'm gonna start i'm gonna go with jimmy beal jimmy beal is a teacher at heart and so he's gonna be he's gonna help me coverage both of my kids so you know i'm a teacher so i'm gonna i'm gonna take on miles and we're gonna do his stuff and jimmy's gonna you know he'll I'm going to, I'm going to stick Jimmy on Macklin and they're going to, they're going to do their deal. You know, he's going to be that guy. But another, another thing about Jimmy Beal, he's not a big guy. So if if he had to stay in my house, if he was quarantined with me, I'm assuming now this is just an assumption that he's not going to eat as much as the bigger coaches. (laughs) And so it's not going to hurt my budget as much when I'm buying groceries. So Jimmy Beal, Two things on there. The player I'm going with is Coy Steele. Here's why. Coy Steele, again, is one of the smaller players on the Bobcats. He's 177 pounds. Again, his diet, <laughs> I'm thinking of money right here. I'm just being a pragmatist right here. I, I'm, I'm buying less groceries in order to fill his caloric intake every day. So not only that, but Coy Steele is an exercise science, exercise science major. He's going to make sure that we are all feeling good, exercising every day, doing our due diligence to um, to help ourselves. So, Coy Steele, Jimmy Beal, you're welcome in my house. I like your approach to it. Who's going to cost me the least amount of money to feed? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't much. even think about the aspect. That's I was going to all entertainment value and utility over here, and you're thinking like, all right, who's going to take the least impact on my bank account? <laughs> I like it. That's good. That's good. These are trying times for everybody. All right. All right. I did not put any thought into this until right now, until you were talking. So my, I was going to say Bobby Daly for my coach, because it'd just be fun just to chat with him about all the playing days. Cause while I was, I was there in Bozeman watching him playing and it'd be fun to just talk about all the stuff that happened on the field. How can you possibly ever be bored with Jeff Choate in your house, though? I gotta, I'm gotta, i going to have to go with Jeff Choate. He would entertain everybody. He's a great orator. He'd just sit there and talk. My kids would just be like, wow, that guy's cool. 
It would just be lots of talking and talking and I love it. It would just entertain everyone all day long. I could totally use that right now for some, just some relief. <laughs> so Jeff Choate's my coach. <laughs> an obvious choice, maybe an easy choice, but man, how can you not entertain the idea of having Jeff Choate <laughs> be at like a dinner party every single night at your house? <laughs> I did think about Choate. Choate was my second, second choice. As for a player, the complete opposite in terms of talking, I'm going to go with another easy choice, an obvious choice, Troy Anderson, because I feel like by the time I woke up in the morning, he would have already like mowed the lawn and like cooked breakfast. I just feel like he's that like just get get stuff done kind of guy. He's gonna help out whether I ask him to or not. Just gonna take charge around the house. Like, oh, this needs to be fixed. I'm gonna fix it for you. I'm like, all right, Troy, good job. So <laughs> Troy Anderson's <laughs> my guy to help me around the to just the utility side of Troy Anderson. I think he would just be the ah shucks, I'll help you out with that kind of guy. So there's my there's my choice for player. <laughs> Jeff Choate and Troy Anderson, you probably didn't think twice about that, did you? No. The talker, <laughs> entertainer, the worker, not so much the talker. Boom. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Nice job, Helena Cat. That was a good one. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for the question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Thorny Man. We've been talking long enough. So uh, a couple things. One thing I thought about is if you're listening to this and you've made it to this made it to this point. Thanks for listening. I kind of pers- I personally wanted to give a call out to any former player that's that's listening. If if, if you're listening and you want to talk to us, if you want to come on the RNR Cat Cast, you know, Thorny and I have been thinking about this time during our quarantine and just you know providing a little levity for our Bobcat fans. If you want to come and do an in, uh, interview with us, if you want to spend some time talking with us and talk about your time. We'd love to have you on. Please get at us at uh, via our Twitter account or our Gmail account. We'd love to have you on. On the flip side of that, as if you're just a fan listening, get to us and tell us, tell us who you would like us to have on. We can certainly reach out, like just to kind of give us like uh, an idea who you want us to have on here to, to interview and we will find them and uh, see if they're available. Right on. All right. Well, I think that pretty much does it for this episode. I do want to say that uh, the r and Catcast is a part of the Big Sky Podcast Network. I just want to throw that out there because it's a fun network. Like, it's a good group of guys doing all the Big Sky Podcasts for the various schools. We got an Idaho one. We got an Eastern Washington one. Obviously, got a Grizz one. And, uh, geez, that might be about it. I'm missing somebody, but NAU. it's a fun group. NAU, yeah. I'm sorry, NAU. And it's a fun group. It's just a cool thing that we're just putting together just to try and bring more attention to the Big Sky Conference. So, um, as always, you can find us on Twitter, our RCATCast, on the Bobcat Nation, under our recurring thread, RNRCATCast. And you can email us at RRCATCast at gmail.com. Do you have anything else, uh, parting thoughts here, Foley? Nope. Thanks for listening. Go Cats. Go Cats.